Good evening and welcome to our joint Christmas Eve candlelight service with the First Congregational Church of Clinton and the Clinton Haitian Church of the Nazarene. We will have the uh, call to worship in two languages tonight. It comes from Isaiah's uh, book, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And now, uh, Pastor Paul will come up with the same passage. Is that enough? Verse 2, verse 2, 6 et 7, 7. Tu rends le peuple nombreux. Tu lui accordes de grandes joies. Il se réjouit devant toi, comme on se réjouit à la moisson, comme on pousse des cris d'allégresse au partage du bétain. Verset 6. Donnez à l'empire de l'accroissement et une paix sans fin au trône de David et à son royaume. La famille et le soutenir par le droit et par la justice. Dès maintenant et à toujours, voilà ce que fera le zèle de l'éternel des armées. Le Seigneur envoie une parole à Jacob. Elle tombe sur Israël. Amen. And now for our first Christmas carol, we'll sing number 191 in the books. Hark the herald angels sing.
Amen. And now we will have our first scripture reading this evening from the Gospel of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And then chapter 2 is 13 to 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Amen. Do you want to say some words? Sure. Okay. You can speak into that microphone. So, um, as we gather in this blessed day, let us open our hearts to a profound meaning of Christmas, uh, the celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christmas is not merely a commemoration of an event in history. It is an embodiment of divine love, grace, and salvation. In the humble manger in Bethlehem, a child was born whose life would transform the world. The angel proclaimed, do not be afraid I'll bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, according to Luke chapter 2, verse 10, 11. Jesus' birth teaches us the essence of our salvation. It speaks of God's immense love for humanity, demonstrated through the gift of his Son. John reminds us, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have the eternal life. So regardless of our denominational flavors, our unity lies in the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, the book of Ephesians affirms this unity, stating there is one body and one spirit. Just as you are called the one hope when you are called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. So let us tonight emulate the humility and love exemplified by Jesus. So the book of Philippians beautifully uh, captures his humility, encouraging us to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So remember tonight, the light that shone on that holy night continues to illuminate our lives today. It is a light that disperses darkness, brings hope in despair, and unities in love. So may this Christmas season remind us of the profound gift of Christ's birth, the unity found in his sacrifice, and the transformative power of his love. Let us carry the spirit of Christmas throughout the year, spreading joy, peace, and goodwill to all. Amen. And in the same spirit, we're going to sing our first song tonight. From First Congregational Church, your bulletin inserts have the words we will be singing and the English translation of them.
Then we're going to have the next song. Eleni Le Roi du Monde, the King of the World. Take your uh, bulletin inserts. We will do a responsive reading, and then I will light 
all four Advent candles plus the Christ candle for the night when Christ was born. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. O come, let us adore him. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. O come, let us adore him. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. O come, let us adore him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. O come, let us adore him. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. O come, let us adore him. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. O come, let us adore him. Amen. So um, we've been doing this every week. The four weeks of Advent start with hope, move on to the peace of God and with God we have in Jesus Christ, then the joy he came to bring to all who know him. Finally, this morning, we remember the amazing love of God in Jesus Christ, and and there is no love greater than that. And now on Christmas Eve, we light the Christ candle to remind ourselves that the Messiah, the anointed king from the line of David, has come to save whosoever will in the whole world. So that completes uh, our Advent for this season. This is the night when Christ was born. And for our next song, uh, we're going to sing a, a real favorite of mine. I think the gospel is in it totally. Number 200 in these songbooks, it's O Little Town of Bethlehem.
Amen. And now we will have our second uh, scripture reading from the gospel, this time from Luke's gospel. This scripture is from Luke 2, 8 through 16. And there in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Amen. Um, Next we will sing, uh, What Child Is This? It's number 202 in your songbooks, and the hymn is Green, the tune is Green Sleeves, but the songbook does not have the right words, so use them from your bulletin inserts.
all may be seated. The birth of Jesus, whose name means Savior, is what Christmas is all about. I'm just going to add this in. I go up and down High Street every day, and have you noticed the sign on the Baptist church there where it says, Mary Christ, a space, a dash, and mass. And then they have from the gospel accounts that we heard. Christmas really is about Christ. But there are other people who are part of this story. We have the shepherds, the wise men, and the Messianic prophets we heard Isaiah quoted. Now, last year, I spoke about four things that Luke tells us about Jesus' mother, Mary. But as I went back, I've done 22 candlelight services. This is my 23rd. I've never said anything about Joseph. Uh, in all of this time uh, until tonight. He's kind of the forgotten man of this whole story. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, which we just heard read, he's mentioned just once in the whole chapter, and he squeezed in between uh, Mary and the baby Messiah. That puts him in a position where he's very easily overlooked. And then the part we didn't have read, I've probably preached on four or five times because it's so much fun because these low-class shepherds go out and they're the very first evangelist, sent evangelist to give the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah being born. And that's exciting and it will preach. However, Again, it's kind of hard to preach on Joseph, but I've been giving it some thought, and Matthew gives us, I think, some great insights into Joseph, his character, and his actions. So let me just go through what we heard, but first let me just tell you, in Hebrew, his name would be Yosef, which means he will add And I'm wondering, is it possible that his parents named him this in the hope and in the faith that God would add to this child as he becomes a man, add to his natural abilities, some supernatural abilities, so he might play some part in God's rescue of his people, just as Israel's son in the book of Genesis, who also was named Joseph, played a big part in ultimately delivering the people of, uh, of Egypt, uh, of Israel from Egypt. Um, so, and remember, he was sold by his brothers. They didn't want to kill him. And he ended up down there and he was falsely imprisoned. But then God sent a worldwide famine of seven years. But Joseph was able to interpret some dreams that were given to the Pharaoh. And he said, let's store up the grain. And that kept the whole world at that time alive. So they probably did name him after that Joseph. Now, Matthew tells us first in the scripture we heard from the gospel he wrote that Mary was promised in marriage to Joseph. And it was the same as a marriage, even though they hadn't had the official ceremony. And in those days, especially husbands were to be protectors of the family, protectors of the wife, protectors of their children. But then Matthew goes on to tell us, before they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And I've tried to put myself in Joseph's place, not knowing everything I know now so many years later. And it had to be a big shock to him. How could he believe that Mary had not been unfaithful to him? How could she be with child if she had remained pure? Remember, the idea of a virgin birth was totally unknown, except for a little passage in Isaiah that I'm sure not many people paid attention to back then. And then I I love what Matthew tells us about Joseph. He was right with God. And I believe that means he knew and followed scripture, especially Torah, the five books of Moses. Now, by the letter of the Torah, Mary could have been stoned for adultery. There was enough evidence. But also, if they just had a divorce, that would satisfy Torah as far as Joseph was concerned. So as Joseph was praying and meditating what he was going to do, he thought he could obey God and maintain his righteousness with God if he just quietly put Mary away because he was not willing to disgrace her. He was moved with a desire to secretly turn her loose or get a divorce. Now, in his private considerations before God, he's seeking, as we all must seek, to combine obedience with mercy and grace. And I think as humans, isn't that the hardest thing to do? When we try to be righteous and enforce God's word, sometimes we don't have the grace that we need to have. Now, um, this shows everything that he's going through in his mind, his integrity. And what is integrity? It's balancing obedience with grace and faith. A person of integrity is consistent in every area of their life. That person will walk the narrow way between what seems to be opposites. As I think many of us know, his foster son, Jesus, would later say, make every effort to walk that narrow way between the extremes, the way that God wants us to walk. So that's where Joseph was. And what he is considering right here, I believe is better than what most men would have considered. But as we soon find out, it's not the best solution. So God sent a messenger. That's what an angel is, a special messenger from God to people. Now, Something I advise people, and maybe much more when I was working and I was a member of the congregation and, and would meet with other people, but I still believe this is true. After praying about a matter, if you have an important decision to make, do something. Do the best option that you can see through prayer and the assistance of Scripture. And I've learned this, that if it's not the perfect will of God, he will let me know, he will let us know, so we can make mid-course corrections. Whenever I see people paralyzed about a decision, oh, I want to make sure it's God's will, should I do this or should I do that? Remember that sometimes the greatest sin is to do nothing at all. It's better to pray, 
consider scripture and be led the way you think God is leading you. I think he's pleased with that. And just like math, um, Joseph did not make the best decision. Um, that's okay because God sent him a messenger and this messenger came to Joseph in a dream and he called him. He addressed him as son of David. And if you remember back in the days of David, when he wanted to build a temple, God sent Nathan to him and said, you can't build this temple. But one of your descendants, one of your sons, many generations later, he will be the Messiah, the king and savior of the world. So he's giving Joseph um, the name of a son of David. And he's saying Joseph should not fear to take Mary as his wife. In other words, she has not sinned because what is conceived is from the Holy Spirit, from God. And as I thought about this, what is very important here is while it might be easy for Joseph to doubt Mary's word, he could not doubt God's word through God's special messenger. So this messenger says, don't be afraid to take her. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not that she was unfaithful. He goes on to say, she will have a son and thou will call his name Jesus Yeshua Savior. And then Joseph is given the authority to name Mary's child. And as this goes on, the messenger says, he will save his people from their sins. And then he quotes Isaiah, a virgin will give birth to a son and the people will call him Emmanuel, which means with us, God, this is the gospel. And as a man of the word, Joseph understood what was being said by the angel. And so he has been quiet up to this point. He's gone off by himself. He's prayed. He sought God's will. He had leaned towards a decision, but God said, no, here's what I want you to do. And notice Matthew has not recorded one word about what Joseph said. We don't know what he ever said, but he is showing great strength. And this is how we know that. It says, when he woke up, he did just what God's messenger said. He's always got a heart to obey God. And we're told that he had no relations with Mary until she had her firstborn son. And then Joseph followed God's instruction through the messenger and he gave him the name Jesus Yeshua Savior. And as we put together the account from chapter one, I think we can see that Joseph's strength was that he was a man of quiet strength and integrity. He wasn't anyone to draw attention to himself. He wanted to do God's will. Continuing on now into what we um, heard in, in chapter two, and we picked it up just after the wise men had gone back to where they came from. And another messenger from God, a second messenger, a second angel comes to Joseph in a dream. 
And he says this, three quick commands. Thou must arise. Thou must take the young child and his mother. Thou must flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. Because Herod is intending to seek the young child to destroy him. So, and I love this. The very next morning, Joseph meticulously obeyed the word of God he received in this dream. So this is the second God-given dream to Joseph within a year. Now, the first Joseph that I already mentioned, and I'll elaborate on it a little more. Actually, I didn't say this part. When he was a young man, the youngest of 11 sons of Israel. He was given a dream from God and it sustained him as he was sold into slavery in Egypt, unjustly imprisoned for a long, long time. But as the last chapter of Genesis tells us, all this that happened to Joseph was in order, in order that um, people might be saved. And ultimately, um, this happened when God's people came out from physical slavery in Egypt. And I've always called the crossing of the Red Sea the cross of the Old Testament and the Old Covenant people. Well, now this Joseph is going to Egypt to protect the one the one and only who will bring salvation from spiritual slavery to sin. And I submit that spiritual slavery to sin that we're all born with is even worse than most physical slavery. So, humanly speaking, Joseph needed to be strong to escort his wife and the baby son, because they had to go 250 miles on the Roman roads, which were all walking to get to the Nile River Delta where you could live. Now, I've read some history of those times, and a strong Roman soldier could go 30 miles a day on the Roman roads. They were built to move armies quickly. It was the Roman interstate system. They could do it in a little over a week, maybe seven, eight days, nine at the most. But with a new mother and a young baby, it would take Joseph and the family at least two or three weeks. And there could be uh, danger at any point along that road, especially without any soldiers to protect them. But now we see Joseph protecting his wife and his foster son from the possibility of physical danger. And what he would need for this is even greater faith in God than he had shown to this point in his life. And we're then told by Matthew that he stayed until Herod died. And then he returned back to the promised land and fulfilled the prophecy given through Hosea, where God had said, out of Egypt, I called my son. So we need to understand that Jesus has two titles in the Gospels and in the New Testament. God is the biological father of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So that way, Jesus is the son of God. 
He's the son of man because he was born of Mary. But every child, every man needs a human father too. And Joseph was the human foster father of Jesus, who is the son of man. And I think what we have seen from the gospel itself about Joseph, and again, I'll say it, he is a man of quiet strength and integrity. Let me just reach some conclusions from what I've said from this scripture. Joseph's heart was fixed on doing God's will in everything, and even to raise Jesus as Jesus' human father. And he didn't care what people would think about him. He was determined to stay faithful to his God. And he only really cared that God would say to him someday, well done, good and faithful servant. So tonight, let us learn from Joseph to quietly trust God for strength and integrity in all that we do and not to be boasting about our deeds, but seeking seeking always and only to do what God is leading us to do, no matter what anybody else thinks. And take this assurance, if we get out of God's will, as Joseph did when he was considering about quietly releasing Mary from those wedding vows, we also need to just learn to be open to whatever God does to put us back into his will. And again, I said it earlier, let me just say it one more time again. I've learned, don't agonize over doing God's perfect will. Do his will the best as we can understand it. God will take care of the rest. He will redirect us if we stay open to his leading. So I believe what Joseph models for us is that faith in God and devotion to him can give us integrity and strength to do his will in Jesus, the Savior whose birth that we are celebrating tonight. Amen. Amen. So now uh, we will have the lighting of these um, Christmas candles. And after everybody's candles have been lit, Um, we will turn down the house lights and sing Silent Night. Oh, the candles are over there. Uh, I should have made an announcement about that.
are down, the words are in larger font on the back of your bulletins. Blessed Christmas, everyone.
And just remember it is all about Jesus.